Crossbones. What is up? Wow, what a week it was. Yeah, we have been, uh, this has been a complete, uh, if you had asked me at the beginning of June, where do you think the state of WWE would be? It would not be anywhere close to where it is right now. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Dude, Jeff Hardy feels like a month ago. It does, it does. It feels like it was right there. Hey, I hope Jeff gets the help he needs. We're not going to focus on AEW today. Next week is Forbidden Door. I am more than excited to talk about Forbidden Door all next week and hopefully maybe do two shows on the thing next week, a pre and a post. But this week I want to concentrate on the WWE, the challenges they are currently facing both, as they say in sports, on and off the court. Monumental. Uh, they, they have monumental challenges to overcome right now. Some self-inflicted, some not self-inflicted. Right, and and just go through how I think they're dealing with it, what your perception is on how they're dealing with these things, and then wrap it up with maybe some fantasy book in here and there and a little woods, a little woods watch. What do you think? All right, let's get it. Sounds good. On the other side. Welcome to Go Home Heat, a wrestling podcast. Here at Go Home Heat, our contributors focus on the stories and character arcs of the live-action drama art form. An art form dating back to Zeus, featuring Lincoln and a bear and peeking with Robocop and Sting. In the words of Xavier Woods, the last form of theater in the round. And now, go home heat. Like we said, outside of the TV shows, we have a mess. We have Vince, we have Vince McMahon, total mess. Step, Steph steps away, steps back. Sasha Naomi's been a disaster. Orton's hurt. Cody's hurt. They've spent all this time building Cody. He's out. Roman reducing his schedule. How on earth are they going to deal with all this? Do you want to comment on Vince too much? or From what I've seen uh, from the outside and dealing with corporate and corporate law, corporate law is very tricky. And there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of things you can and can't do. And, yeah, we can definitely get into that. Okay, so let's just, let's just get that out of the way then. So Vince is accused of paying three million dollars after having it's for a, a some form of an assistant, a lawyer's assistant. To um, she was much more than that, uh, right? At work as well as outside of work, right? <laughs> um, and he was accused of giving her uh, more than a hundred thousand dollar raise out of the blue, and then turning around and giving her three million to not work there anymore uh we know that vince had said in an interview with pat mcafee uh my former wife linda and then he tried to clean it up so we don't really know the status of that we do know that around january there was a code of ethics sent out that they all had agreed to that kind of i think nick was the driving force of this from the rumors or whatever that kind of said hey one thing you can't do is kind of what just happened so like you said, contractually, and I, I've heard Meltzer say on CNN, you know, Vince is going to try to prove it was he, his $3 million. I don't know the code of ethics that matters with her having been a, a subordinate. It's just a mess. And then you have the whole Laurinaitis thing in the middle of it. It, you know, you have people in up in arms of this good old boy system and it's crazy. So let's start with, uh, with Vince coming out on SmackDown, excellent um, last night. 
Um, I, I personally, I thought he was going to go into and maybe just say, hey, you know, I thought he was going to apologize. But, I mean, apologizing would, would acknowledge guilt. And I think the way that he came out there and the way that he spoke and the way that he did it, he flipped the mic at the end. Do you see that? Do you see him flip the mic? Yep. Yeah, he flipped the mic. So in his mind, he 100% believes that he's going to uh, walk on this. And it's just this is just a this is just a technicality. They're going to do their investigation. I'm going to be able to get back to what I'm doing. Um, didn't didn't sit well with a lot of people, especially you know this is from a time before before me before you. Where Absolutely. A lot of this a lot of this stuff went on and it wasn't a big deal. But in mm-hmm. 2022, this is a huge deal. Huge deal. Absolutely. Um, and, and I don't think he understands the scope of the, the scrutiny that the company is about to be on, be, be under. Now, also, not just for this, it's going to, they're going to look at your, they're going to, now they're going to dive into the body of work of what he did. And we all know that WWE has had some, uh, had some, some times where it was a little bit lo- more loosey goosey, a lot more, uh, freedom and what you could do and, and how they, during the attitude era, they were to go back and, and look at all that and how he treat, and how, how women were treated back then, back then. And it's completely different than it is now. Um, he's in a, in a very rough spot. Uh, stepping down was the best thing he possibly could have done to take, uh, to take pressure off the company and take pressure away from him also appointing stephanie is also a good thing to put a put a woman in power who who knows the business who grew up in the business and and could keep the ship running while everything is going on uh what what did you think i thought that vince coming out there on smackdown it was it was like you said it was poorly received as well it should have been it was absolutely vince mcmahon telling whoever is investigating him as Mace, or was it Puffy that said, uh, ain't nothing changed but my limp? Yeah. <laughs> I think that is, I think, Mace. Okay, yeah, right. And and that's what it was. It was literally come get me. And I, I think he's wrong in approaching it this way. I do think that Steph is, I honestly think regardless of the outcome of this, Steph would be the absolute best answer. I feel like not just not just peripher- not just visually people go oh good a young lady is running the business and a young lady is actually now the head of the big really the most she would be the most important person in all of wrestling if she were to stay in that position and if Vince were to have to leave creative we we'll talk about that later i think the best outcome would be for him to step away for both product and just you know, I, I hate to say it, but morality's sake, if that makes sense. I mean, we've yeah. seen no, it. No, it makes it makes it, it makes a lot of sense because you got to you have to create a healthy work environment. Period. If right. you want to continue this, because this is a, I mean, this is a people business. You deal. He deals with people directly every single day. He's not somewhere back in an office, um, third party. This he's the he is the face of the company. He's been the face of the company ever since it became WWF. So, yeah, for morality's sake, yeah, he, he, it's very difficult for them to be there knowing what is going on. Not to dive too deeply into the political realm, right? But mm-hmm. you, you know, of course, who Bill Clinton is. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I have always said the perception of Bill Clinton is a stigma the Democratic Party can never get away from until he goes away. Right. 
because of who he was and what happened with Lewinsky and the other suits and things like that. Vince is very similar. Vince had his wife fake a coma while he made out with Trish Stratus right in front of her. That doesn't go away until he quits being around. And you can't get away from that. And it, moving on into though how we're dealing with this and how we're dealing with the injuries and going back into the, the world of pro wrestling and the things that we actually enjoy, I do think... They are attacking the they are attacking the shows in a pretty good way. We saw how everybody was like, "Hey," and this is a huge shift. So I, I hope if you're listening, you can follow this. We watch Raw, and Raw is booked up against the NBA Finals, and everybody is like, "Why on earth would you main event this show with Bobby Lashley?" In theory, having a pose down. And it completely worked because they weren't going to have huge viewership. Mm-hmm. Against the third and fourth quarters of that basketball game, All right, I'm going to ask you. So, which pose down was better, the one between Scott Steiner and Triple H, or this one between Theory and Bobby Lashley? You know, I, I, there's a similarity there, and I think this may have been better. But the similarity is, you would think that Steiner is light years better than Hunter. But when you right, saw you them, Hunter was has a hugely impressive physique. Absolutely. And in this one, Lashley has the greatest body in all of wrestling and has now for 20 years. The man is amazing. 20, 20 years. It's, it's, it, is, it is unbelievable how he's been able to, to maintain this physique for 20 years. Not a lot of people could do that. But you, Not anybody could do that. But you, for example, have a, tr- have a tremendous physicality about you. Right. right. Okay. Right. It, it takes it. it um, I'm going to tell you this. It takes so much discipline. But the, the the key factor that sets it apart is I'm at home all the time. I don't have to travel. I don't have to get on a plane. I don't have to do any of that stuff. I could. All my meals are here. My gym is tw- is five minutes away. I I sleep in my own bed every night. Yeah, you're With not. Ease, you're also yeah. not wrestling four days a week. Yeah, I've also been six four days a week. On top of that, and working through working through uh, so so many injuries, and you know he he inspired me. Like when I started watching SmackDown in in two thousand six seven, when I first saw him, I was like, "Wow, that dude, that dude, that dude was was jacked." And actually, I mean, it, it made me step my game up. And I actually had the fortune of uh, meeting him when I lived in uh, Colorado, this is after he had uh, stopped, stopped wrestling for, uh, for WWE. And he was, uh, he owned an American top team gym. He owned a gym in Colorado that I was going to, he was very nice, but uh, work ethic wise, one of the hardest working people and to be, cause he's 45. There are not a lot of people outside of Tom Brady in athletics who still can compete at any type of level at 45 years old. I thought he had his best year as well. You know, I mean, he was fantastic as a heavyweight champion. I hope they go back to that. But back yes. to the uh, pose down and the baby oil thing. The theater of the absurd is what they gave you to keep you around if, if that's your thing. Right. Which right. was a good way to book it. They gave us everything else earlier. They gave us that later. And we'll dive into the program a little bit more. But I thought it worked. And I think theory, going back to your Triple H question, your Triple H Big Papa Pump question, I think Theory is a lot closer to Lashley than you would think. That dude is yeah. Jack, baby. Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, people think that. I mean, he comes from. A, I think he comes from a bodybuilding background as well. Okay, so here's the thing about bodybuilding. You, if you know how to pose and you know how to do this and you know how, know how to hit angles, you can make yourself look way bigger than you actually are. 
But he, no, not to take anything away from Theory. Theory's Jack. He's put in some serious work. And to be that young and look like he did, that that is that is um, a testament to his hard work. Right. Now, moving into the SmackDown and what I think is the uh, key point, the ratings of the show mirrored what they wanted. It went exactly like they wanted. They had a good, strong rating until that part of the show. It only dropped a couple hundred thousand. It was going to do that anyway. The people who like crazy saw some crazy, you know, Theory gets mad, sprays him down with baby oil. Typical shenanigan, goodness gracious, what am I watching? But I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was cool. But it worked. You moved to SmackDown. We have this odd theater of the absurd where Vince comes out and challenges the world to dare him. And by the way, it's still then, now, forever, me. Right? right. <laughs> he said right. we, but it meant me. You know what I mean? Me. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so, but he's up over two million when he walks out. Then you have the riddle stuff and all of that. I'm not great on riddle r- talking. And I thought that was the most absurd way of like pumping Orton up because it really sounded like he was saying goodbye to him if it doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, it was, it was a little, little odd, little odd, uh, wording. Uh, throughout that promo, it was yeah, it was the most it was it was it was almost more absurd than what Vince did. But then, okay, skipping, we'll get into the episode a little bit here and there. But skipping through that, at the end, you have your King Roman, and he comes out, and your head of the table, and he and he pulls a two point three mil at the end of the episode. Watching the end, how many times do you watch a television show two hours long that is like this, where it's in yeah. little segments that it's. More people viewing at the end than the beginning. That's crazy. It's crazy. Again, they booked the episode perfectly, and I think people are sleeping on the fact that Roman, whether he meant to or not, he could have absolutely said, hey, I just need to be able to go away every now and then because I got a family and it's too much. But you are a Georgia Bulldog, and you've been around a few Yellow Jackets in your day. I have. Them dudes are smart. Very smart, dude. You, they, there's nobody who goes to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's got unbelievable academic standards. Correct. Unbelievable. There are a lot of players that, that, that want to go there that end up playing with me that couldn't go to Georgia Tech because of, because of the academic standards. Right. It's an engineering school. You got yeah. they don't, they to. They don't just give away diplomas at Georgia Tech. Correct. So my thing is, whether it was on purpose or not, Roman taking time off here and there, and they blew it completely out of proportion. He's not going away all summer. He's only going to be on one Raw. He's got both belts. I get it. Everybody hates that. But not having a belt on Raw right now is allowing for people to build stories that don't involve that and giving more people television time over there, allowing them to rotate it. It does. You don't have your champ come out and talk for 20 minutes in the beginning, 20 minutes in the middle, 20 minutes at the end. There's time for other people, and it makes Roman feel special. And whenever he's on TV, everybody that complains about why isn't he on TV more tunes in when he's on. Yeah, yeah, 2.3. Those people came to see Roman fight. Okay. That's what they came to see him wrestle. Quickly moving through, they with, with Cody gone, they, they seem to be waiting on Drew or figuring out to do what to do with Drew. They had to do something for money in the bank. We get Brock. It's their go-to. They called him up on the farm. He drove over from over into Minnesota. He tackled a bull. He tied it up. He threw it in the back of the truck. He pulled in. He walked out. He flipped everybody that was in the ring. Are you ready for another match of theirs? Do you hate it? 
No, I don't. I don't hate it. I, but I under and the thing too is you got to understand that they are in the business of putting together the best matches possible for their big pay per views. Mm-hmm. There is nobody else on the roster right now who gives you a bigger matchup than Brock versus Roman, even though you've seen it. Mm-hmm. Even though you've seen it, there, those are the two. When Brock comes out, you you saw the reaction Brock got. God, mm-hmm. you see the reaction Roman got. That's what you, that's what you want for your big pay per views. SummerSlam is their their part of that key four: Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, Survivor Series, SummerSlam. Those are those are your four. Those are your four big ones. And plus, they already they've already uh, put Drew on the the castle the castle match in September. That's, right. uh, that's already that's already Drew versus Roman. If you give me that, you're you're going to take away from that. But I I don't know what type of do you know the amount of money that they just had to give to Brock to break his to get him to come in there and do this? Because I, I I'm guessing that Brock thought he was done for at least for at least until WrestleMania season. Right, but you do remember that Vince literally just tossed out three mil. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I tell me, I tell me all the time. They they don't have money issues. They don't even uh, have money. They've no. got no money issues. They are more profitable today than they ever have been. Right in the history of that company, they make more money now. So when they say budget cuts, those budget cuts, you you know what that that's to do is to make the stock look or to make your make your right. shareholders look better in the eyes of your shareholders. That's all that is. So if you you x a couple a couple hundred thousand, a couple million dollars off of salary, it makes your company look a little bit better. So you get a little bit b- more bump in the stock stock price. But they're fine. They they they've been fine for a very very long time. Those two deals that they made with Fox with NBC, yeah. Those are those are two billion dollar deals. The other thing is Brock, when you bring him in, it brings dividends. You spend that money elsewhere, there is no guarantee you're building talent, you're trying to make something happen. Brock is immediately pays you back with viewership. Right. 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 And then that's a guarantee. Now moving into the bad stuff, right? Because there there is bad stuff and we and we need to deal with it. With Naomi and Sasha being gone, and if Sasha really is on her way out going to AEW, I cannot wait to see her in new matchups. She's fantastic. She's younger than most of the talent that is over there that they think is young. She's incredible. I can't wait to watch her wrestle over there. But dealing with this, Sasha Naomi gone, we all wanted a real women's tag division. It's never materialized. I don't know if it will. That frustrates me, but here's what we did get. We, we did get a Liv Morgan and Alexa Bliss Dewdrop Nikki matchup. That got us two Money in the Bank competitors. And Liv, it was a good tag team match. There's yeah. potential there if they want to dive into that. I, I did like that part. I do like other things in the women's division. Do you like what Becky's doing as she continues to fall into the abyss? I do like it. it it's kind of like that, uh, kind of like the spiraling that that Happy Corbin was doing. You know, when he when he lost all his money and just yeah. going, just just falling down the rungs and rungs, and we're gonna see how how low she can go. We've also seen Seth go through this. Yes, yes, right? we did. Yes, and as she's pummeling Dana Brooke, and she didn't, she never really wanted the twenty four seven title, and they used that to give Dana a little bit of a. Uh, 
a spotlight style run until she gets the beat down. But then we dive into a, a we know how great Becky and Asuka have been over belts. So we take the belt out of the picture and we create that animosity below the belt. And we have a, a, a deeper, thicker division as we dive into what really matters in the division, which is great to have that as an undercurrent. Because mm-hmm. what are you thinking about Rhea and Bianca? I, I think that's a great match. That's one of those, those NXT. Uh, they put on some sev- several great matches in, uh, in NXT. So I, I do think that that is uh, you, you need something to elevate Rhea. Because, you know, ever, si- ever since you lost to Charlotte um, at WrestleMania, she hasn't been – it hasn't been the same. She's mm-hmm. had opportunities – but they've never really put her up there as like a, a top star. And being this new new group, you know, you 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 want to you want to put her up there and say, hey, you know, this is how you make a star. Right. We we saw if, if you watch AEW television, there was a, a, a Jay Cargill Willow match, and Willow got to uh, trend like twenty seven, which is pretty yeah. good for somebody nobody knows about. They're stronger, bigger competitors. This is that on steroids. Right now, I, mean, I love Jay, first of all. I love her. Oh, but yeah. yeah, she's awesome. But right now, Rhea is probably the totalist of packages. No offense to Lex. She is the best wrestler, and she is – Bianca might not quite be that, but Bianca to me is much more of a star. It feels She feels more of a Cena-ish early in his career. We've talked about that. But this is the future of pro wrestling. Bianca's the bigger yeah. star. Rhea's a little bit more developed at this point, but they can, they're big enough that they can do canradas on each other. They can lift each other. They can throw each other. They can catch each other. They can do things that other people their size can't. It's like watching two female versions of McIntyre wrestle each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good uh, that's a, that's a good way to put it. These are the the two. Uh, two of the best athletes in the women's division and have, they both have a unbelievable power skill set. Yeah. And I and don't, with, with an athletic skill set. Absolutely. I don't mind Rhea diving into Judgment Day. I, you know, if Edge wanted to take a vacation, having them decide they didn't want to have a boss and bringing in somebody and telling you, you know, the promo where, where Damien Priest says, you know, we're <laughs> basically we're three Beyonce's. You know what I mean? We're all equals, yeah. and that works for me. I, I, you know, I'm I'm excited for that on all of those levels. Moving over to the SmackDowns Women's Division. You are listening to Go Home Heat, a wrestling podcast. Check out our friends at the Gin Project, the G I N N Project dot com. Check out our friends at the Daily Smart, your one stop shop for all things pro wrestling. And now, back to. Go home, heat. Natty and Rhonda do nothing Rhonda. for me. <laughs> it's, it's it's hard, man. It's <laughs> it's hard times over there, over there on SmackDown right now for the women's division. It you, is. Needed, you needed Sasha. You needed Sasha. Right. Which this is was not the time to let Sasha. This was not the time. This was not the time, especially with Charlotte not being there. Right, right now. Now we know Charlotte will come back. L- Lacey Evans is in the, is in this Money in the Bank now. They they just had Raquel go over, and, and she's going to wind up being in in this match. I thought the match with Shayna was good. I don't think they utilize Shayna like they should, but by the same token, it is what it is. I told you the other day, I really feel like Io Shirai needs to be on SmackDown. I think she needs right. to win this Money in the Bank ladder match. I think 
it would pump new life into this thing. And if you've lost your best and most exciting key, most exciting performer, and also probably Naomi was the second most exciting performer yeah. on SmackDown, putting the you know, putting somebody that's a high flyer, that's an, you know, there was a time when she was main event in NXT. I was telling people, not that Eo was the best women's wrestler in the world. I was saying she was the best wrestler in the world at that moment. The matches she was putting on, as they would have her take on people from the main roster and just destroy it. And she had great competition there too. It was a, that was an unreal stack of people she was in there with in NXT, but. I, I just feel like they have to bring somebody like EO up to give it that pop, and then you'll have Charlotte back in, and if they utilize their talent correctly with Gonzalez and developer, it will feel okay. Yeah. I agree. Now, let's move into the men's division, because I don't think they're missing. Here, Cody's hurt. Really sucks. I can't emphasize how bad that sucks, as you built it up and Seth did a perfect job of making Cody, who was already halfway made when he walked in the door. But Cody getting hurt and having that performance at Money in the Bank means when he comes back, it's the hottest thing since Triple H walked into the garden after the quad tear. I, oh, man, goosebumps on that. Remember the remember they did the, the vignette with that beautiful day with by you two. I remember that I was in uh, I was in college watching watching that. Do you know pectoral tears are are a tricky thing? Um, I, I don't know how he did it. I mean, with with weight training and all that, but it could be as simple. I mean, it could be as simple as thing of, of not warming up properly. And he, like you just started to do too much weight and just brought it down, or it could have been a range of motion thing. That's why I, when you bring it, if you I can't, it's very difficult for me to demonstrate over over a podcast. But if you bring the weight down too far past the flexion point, past where the muscle is no longer being used and it's on the and it's on the tendon. If, if there's enough force, it'll snap the tendon, no matter who you are. Right. So it could have just been like one of those things. Right. Cody has been he's been lifting for a long time. He's been training almost his entire life, and it, it's kind of one of those things. One bad decision, right. one day where you didn't warm up properly. But I, I do I do agree with you. That is a huge hit for uh, for wrestling entertainment to have him not here right now. Right. But he will return. Go to your yeah. point though about the about the stretching thing. Supposedly. He 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 tore it originally, or rip, or you know, not didn't tear it off the bone, but tore it originally during the fight with Seth. And it makes sense that he might not have stretched before the fight with Seth. Right. And then, as you said, you weaken you weaken that area, and you try to work out anyway. Suddenly, you wind up a little lower than you thought you could be. You know, boom, you tear it off the bone completely. Which, from what I understand, the reason he was allowed to wrestle in the match is because it wasn't. Just a tear, it was off the bone, so it, it really couldn't get any worse. It was uh, kind of like the, if you remember, Ray Mysterio tore his bicep, and he was able to uh, wrestle because the bicep was torn off. He was wearing the sleeve. So I, I do understand. Hats off to him. He was probably, I, I know he was in unbelievable amount of pain and still went through with that. Right. And Seth, the other week when Seth went out there and shook his hand and, and said all the right things and then attacked him with the when, when Seth had the sledgehammer and he was holding oh, yeah. it by the by the head of it and just poking him with the bottom of it on the thing yeah. I was yeah. just cackling at how it, I just he is literally like the clown prince of sports entertainment it is so nuts how good he's been and yeah. that's what we have though is it as, as bad as that is you still have a Kevin Owens who can take this Elias thing and turn it into a month and a half of television, and it isn't—it's it, stupid, 
but it's okay. And Elias is going to come back next week, but he's not really like whatever. Sami Zayn is able to fill up time as Roman leaves because Sami suddenly is he's eating up those segments and it works mm-hmm. so well. And at house shows, Sami's even doing Superman punches and spears, dude. <laughs> he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And Seth is the same. Seth is able to turn around and he and he has this. Sit down, and AJ is also one of these fantastic sports entertainers. AJ's not as good outside of the ring when he's not a heel, but inside of the ring, he's light years better as as a as a face. Right. You right. know, and, and, and he's great both. He's probably the greatest wrestler of his era, and, and maybe even still this year. But Seth is so fantastic as a heel, and when they had that match to decide Seth would be in the money in the bank, you got a completely different match than they had ever had before. They told a different story. Seth's willingness to be evil and do the chop block leads to AJ not being able to finish a couple of moves, which allows Seth to just land on his chest and hold him. It tells the tale of who they are in character. It works. AJ's still AJ because he just got caught. He didn't get beat. Seth scurries away like a scoundrel. It, it's just... And these guys, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, are able to continually reinvent themselves. And in that promo, Seth said something to the effect of Seth says something to the effect of adapt or perish. And that is literally that is a literally literally the superstar mantra. If you watch the perfect employees for this company, it's why NXT changed what it is, because these guys have to be able to change their characters. And Seth and Sammy and Kevin they can tweak their characters as they move along or totally change, and it is always entertaining. Becky has become that as well, and you see why they had to change developmental, and we're going to get into that with your friends someday. I'm going to tell them right now. At some point, we're going to get into this with your compadre. We'll tell people where they can find you and, and him yeah. at later on, and we'll talk about why NXT had to change, why it does work, and also some of the frustrations people that that our wrestlers have with this system but going back to what's important to this conversation is that's why it stays entertaining because it's not the same guy all the time even though it's the same literal person the character changes and tweaks and modernizes and evolves yeah and you have to have that you you have to have progression of your of your character. You can, it's not like the eighties where, where Hulk Hogan was Hulk Hogan for 15 years and we loved it. Yeah. You know, he, right, was, right. he was always the same guy. Um, under Undertaker even had that evolution where he went to, he went to American badass for a little while. Edge, you know, at first he was, he was a vampire <laughs> with King grill and right. he became, that he became the uh, rated R superstar. Uh, Randy Orton has had multiple. Remember he was, remember when he first showed up, he was a kid with the, with the blue, with the blue shorts, shorts with a stripe. Yeah. Then yeah. he became the legend killer, then the evolution guy, and then he became what he is now. Right. The Apex Predator. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now we do have the thing where Drew, you put Drew and you put Seamus, another couple of, especially Seamus, another couple of really important keys, cogs in the wheel. And they're going to be in this money in the bank. It's going to be a star studded money in the bank. We've already got Seth and Drew and Seamus. They'll fill it up with more. Let's get to that's a good point to start at because let's get to Woods Watch. Yeah. yeah. What did you think about the stuff he was in? What do you want from him in the next couple of weeks? 
All right, so we finally have have rid ourselves of the hooligans, mm-hmm. or, or for, I forget what what they were calling them. So that you did, they were they were saying that out of uh, fifty two weeks or something something ridiculous, they had they had had some match with Sheamus his his crew for fourteen <laughs> for fourteen straight weeks, fourteen straight weeks of matches that involved the New Day and Sheamus's crew. So I'm glad to have that that behind him. Uh, we took on, uh, the New Day took on, uh, Shanky and, uh, Jinder Mahal, uh, at least to, to give them another, another set of opponents. So I don't think, I think that's short lived. I think the only reason that was on there, so you can see Shanky dance. That's the <laughs> only reason. Jim was like, Xavier, get up there, play some, play some music. Shanky's gonna dance. Crowd's gonna go wild. It's a one time thing. We're not gonna do this anymore. And let's get back. So, money in the bank is huge. It is a huge deal uh, moving moving forward because that's the guy they're gonna. That guy wins the belt at some point. It, it changes it changes your trajectory and the entire company. I do want Woods in that match because I do think that out of all these competitors, the best of the best, he would finally be he would be have another opportunity to showcase his talent and what he can do. I, I can't remember him in a ladder match. He he had one in TNA. Uh, but he, he he's well adapted at, at doing all of that. So have him win the belt. Hopefully, uh, I I posted that picture of uh, of SummerSlam being this uh, this huge this huge deal this huge match between Roman Roman and Brock Lesnar. But then you add in the two, you add in Bobby Lashley and Drew to make it the biggest match possible at SummerSlam. That. Would be the time that that's going to be a nonstop slugfest of the four best, biggest athletes in wrestling. One of the hardest matches you could possibly match. If you had to pick three opponents to go against or four opponents to go against, you don't want any part of any of these guys because of because of the physicality of that match. So, into the match, whoever wins, I, I, I would say probably the the most likely. To, to win and lose, I, I hate to say it, Bobby Lashley, but they have some, they have some history before. Woods pinned Bobby Lashley on a Raw at one point. See, so, oh, go ahead. I love where you're going because I, I don't think everybody's like, Seth needs to win it, Seth needs to win it. No, Seth needs to win the freaking title without a money in the bank. Yeah, yeah, and, he's done it. He, he's done it before. Right. This is the kind of thing where, and if I if I could fantasy book, this is the kind of thing where if I was if I was them, I would put Kofi in it as well, and I would let Sheamus and Drew tell their tale of how they hate each other. I would let whoever Seth is going to be going into his next feud with cost him the money in the bank, and then I would have Kofi in the match do his spectaculars. And somehow or another, sacrifice himself for Woods to win it. I mean, the kind of thing where Kofi's going to go into a, a feud with Seth. We saw them tease it back when they were both champs. We have Seth, um, uh, you know, halfway up the ladder, and Kofi springboards and takes him out and allows Woods to to go up and win it. Seth goes into a thing with Kofi, and Woods is the money in the bank winner. Lashley winds up being the last guy Woods overcomes on his way up. And you've told the whole story of everything that matters, right? Right. right. And then you give Woods that toe in the water run as a champion to see if you want to have him. Cause that's what money in the bank is really for. It lets you put the belt on someone 
who wouldn't normally have it to see if they're that guy. And Woods has kind of showed you with his Lashley rivalry and with some of this King of the Ring stuff that he might be able to be that guy. But you can't know until he has the belt a little bit. And Money in the Bank is why. That's why that exists. That's why. And and I think that would be the perfect opportunity also to get some of his uh, – <laughs> some more some more mic work and teases of him cashing it in uh, would be spectacular. Want it to be a longer period because you'd only have a month between of him having the briefcase. But, it, hey, if that's what you get, that's what you get. I think that's pretty good on the shows themselves. And I think that sometimes we get, as fans, we get wrapped up in the IWC. IWC, We get wrapped up in the forest for the trees. And we don't think about the fact that, generally speaking, the shows have been very good and well done, regardless of the fact that they continue to lose talent. Now, I will, piggybacking on what you were talking about with uh, the Shanky and the gender thing, you give Vince... A tall, huge giant, he will put him out there and make him dance, and I will never get it. But, okay. But let's, I want to quickly fantasy book what I would do if uh, we had a a run text, you and I back and forth. Is that okay? If if Vince were to step down realistically, and and Steph were to be, her and, and and Nick Khan be running the show, what I would do if it was me, and it's not, is Hunter would be the guy who runs Raw. Absolutely. Paul would be the guy who runs SmackDown. Absolutely. Those were those are the two. And I would have HBK be the guy who mediates between the two and oversees the general flow of the entire on television shows. That what direction we're going in, and he would do that out of Tampa. He would stay there with NXT but would meet with the two to make sure we're going in the right direction because just like general managers in baseball, just like a general manager in football or basketball, your job is to acquire and put talent in the programs that fit. And that's what HBK's job would be out of Tampa. I would send TJ, Natty's husband, down to run the day-to-day in NXT. And that's where I would go. And I feel like they would I, – I, I think the – I think – we would be better than we are now if that were to happen. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I would like to, I mean, we need, I mean, Vince has done, I mean, he built the company, did all this, but, you know, circumstances dictate that we might have to make a, they might have to pivot at this point. And yeah. I think those would be the names of the people who could, who could not only, uh, they could build on top of what has been done and give, give the viewers a little bit, something extra. And plus, you know, they have been, uh, those guys that you mentioned, they're ground level with the talent that they're working with right now. A lot of those guys came up with them in NXT. Mm-hmm. So they have a they have a better feel for them than Vince would. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially as you bring these. Bro, if Triple H was running his show, Io Shirai would be main eventing, dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he knows. Triple H and HBK know what these what these, this this talented group has come up is capable of, where Vince doesn't. And I, I don't think if you own anybody who runs a company does anything like that, you if you're not, you have managers. You're, your people below you are more in concert with the with the, with the workers, with the people who you're working for. So. You telling somebody to do something, you don't know if they can do it or not or, or, or if they're up to it or if the task is actually beneath 
what they're capable of. Where Triple H knows these guys, recruited mm-hmm. these guys, has taught these guys, he knows exactly what they can do. Like, like, um, like I was gonna say, Dupree, Dupree, that dude, Triple H would never have him as a manager, never. E- you think, you think tri- Eli Drake. Eli Drake, mm. yeah. He would never have him as a manager. Right. It's a, it's a waste of his talent. It's a waste of his talent. Yeah, he can talk, but yeah, put him in the ring. He he has the physique, the, the, the wherewithal, the ability to go out there and be one of your top talents if you let him. Go, Here, here's also, here's go also ahead, go a question I, I'm going to pose to you. What is the difference between Eli Drake and uh, Riddick Moss? Why, why is Riddick... Um, in in the ring doing wrestling, but Eli Drake isn't. I don't know. Baffles me. I will say this: the Corbin Moss thing has worked. I roll my eyes at it every week, but the yeah. fans like him, and the Duke can wrestle. He can. He can. The only thing I can think of, as far as Moss being pushed, is Eli was never going to be the kind of guy that could be the sidekick. And, no, he can't. And Eli can talk, talk, right? right? Whereas Rid- Riddick isn't at that point, and I would guess that Eli is probably twelve to fifteen years older than Moss. That is also true. That could be something there, but it's not something that I agree with because to me, Eli still got five, six good years in him at least. Yeah, and, and you got to maximize it. You got to, ma- and that's, that's that's another thing. I think Triple H. And Stephanie and Heyman would start maximizing the talent right. while they have it in its prime. And Triple H would give us Poppy main eventing the stadium with EO. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would definitely, you would definitely get that. Hey, get thank you so much for doing this. Tell everybody where they can find you, Crossbones. All right, Clangin' Bang ATL on Instagram and Bangin' and Clangin'. Uh, podcast also on Instagram on Twitter. It's uh, P L E A S underscore K E L L E Y three one three. Tell us about your partner on Clanging and Banging. All right, Blake Beretta. He is a stuntman slash wrestler. You can reach him on Blake Beretta on IG and also Blake Beretta on Twitter. He has some interesting takes. Uh, we do a show together called the Banging and Clanging Sport. Podcast, we get into some movies, we get into some wrestling, we get into a little bit of everything, and also we we have the question of the day, dude. You break down the rocks episodes. We do, we do. I we love, love it. We love Young Rock. We they shot they 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 usually shoot it here. They shot last season in Australia because of the COVID restrictions, but hopefully when they get back to shooting season three, it's back in the ATL. Plus, you need it. You need a bunch of blonde haired. Guys that can do these roles as wrestlers, right? Yeah, <laughs> Australia is the spot. Hey, man, I, just, I hope to get Blake on. I hope to do that Money in the Bank, a post Money in oh, the Bank thing where we talk yeah. that NXT. And yeah. dude, this is great. Thank you so so much. Oh, thanks for having me, everybody. Go home. <laughs>